Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Job chapters 40 to 42 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org plan. The Book of Job, Chapter 40 Introduction Job stands humbled before the majesty of God, understanding the futility of questioning his rulership over earth. God then takes this moment to give Job and his companions a taste of what it would mean to be ruler over earth, to have authority, to bring down the wicked and the proud, to have even the power to create new forms of life. As an example, God presents Behemoth. In this chapter, Job humbles himself before God. Chapter 40 Moreover, Yahweh answered Job, Shall he who argues contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Then Job answered Yahweh, Behold, I am of small account. What will I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind. Now, brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Will you even annul my judgment? Will you condemn me, that you may be justified? Or do you have an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like him? Now, deck yourself with excellency and dignity. Array yourself with honor and majesty. Pour out the fury of your anger. Look at everyone who is proud and bring him low. Look at everyone who is proud and humble him. Crush the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in the hidden place. Then I will also admit to you that your own right hand can save you. See now, behemoth, which I made as well as you. He eats grass like an ox. Look now, his strength is in his thighs. His force is in the muscles of his belly. He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are like tubes of bronze. His limbs are like bars of iron. He is the chief of the ways of God. He who made him gives him his sword. Surely the mountains produce food for him where all the animals of the field play. 
He lies under the lotus trees, in the covert of the reed and the marsh. The lotuses cover him with their shade. The willows of the brook surround him. Behold, if a river overflows, he doesn't tremble. He is confident, though the Jordan swells even to his mouth. Shall any take him when he is on the watch or pierce through his nose with a snare? This behemoth is an example of Yahweh's ability to create new life. The description is reminiscent of the Egyptian river horse, known also as hippopotamus, and the language of this passage suggests that he brought a physical specimen with him to show to Job and his companions, See now, behemoth, which I made as well as you, look now, his strength is in his thighs. More importantly, Yahweh challenges them to imagine themselves as rulers over the earth. Now deck yourself with excellency and dignity. Array yourself with honor and majesty. Pour out the fury of your anger. Look at everyone who is proud and bring him low. Look at everyone who is proud and humble him. Crush the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in the hidden place. Then I will also admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Even at this early moment in history, God is planting seeds in man's consciousness about a future anointed Savior who will rule over the nations. Many centuries later, the prophet Daniel will echo these ideas in Daniel chapter 7. Behold, there came with the clouds of the sky one like a son of man. Dominion was given him, and glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. The Book of Job, Chapter 41, Introduction Having impressed his audience with behemoth, Yahweh now shifts attention to an even more fearsome monster named Leviathan. This Leviathan is unlike any creature occurring in nature and can be best described as a sea serpent or even a dragon. This chapter includes God's power shown in creatures. Chapter 41 Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope into his nose or pierce his jaw through with a hook? Will he make many petitions to you or will he speak soft words to you? Will he make a covenant with you that you should take him for a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Will you bind him for your girls? Will your traders barter for him? Will they part him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with barbed irons or his head with fish spears? Lay your hand on him. 
remember the battle, and do so no more. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Won't one be cast down even at the sight of him? None is so fierce that he dare stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Everything under the heavens is mine. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs, nor his mighty strength, nor his goodly frame. Who can strip off his outer garment? Who will come within his jaws? Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth is terror. Strong scales are his pride, shut up together with a close seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined to one another. They stick together so that they can't be pulled apart. His sneezing flashes out light. His eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning torches. Sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils a smoke goes, as of a boiling pot over a fire of reeds. His breath kindles coals. There is strength in his neck. Terror dances before him. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm on him. They can't be moved. His heart is as firm as a stone. Yes, firm as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. They retreat before his thrashing. If one attacks him with a sword, it can't prevail, nor the spear, the dart, nor the pointed shaft. He counts iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow can't make him flee. Sling stones are like chaff to him. Clubs are counted as stubble. He laughs at the rushing of the javelin. His undersides are like sharp potsherds, leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sledge. He makes the deep to boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. He makes a path shine after him. One would think the deep had white hair. On earth, there is not his equal that is made without fear. He sees everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. Many attempts have been made to link Leviathan to existing animals, such as a whale or crocodile, but all have fallen incredibly short. What earthly creature breathes fire? Listen to this description. His sneezing flashes out light. His eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning torches. Sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils a smoke goes, as of a boiling pot over a fire of reeds. His breath kindles coals. A flame goes out of his mouth. 
Whether or not you believe these words attributed to the God of Israel, they clearly say what they say. And we know that Job himself does not doubt the existence of Leviathan, because Job already mentioned him in chapter 3 while lamenting the night he was born. Let them curse it who curse the day who are ready to rouse Leviathan. The Book of Job, Chapter 42, Introduction Finally, Job relents from his defiant position against God, humbling himself before the Almighty. Yahweh will then turn to Job's unrighteous friends, and instead of judgment, God will offer them mercy, but only if they will appeal to Job as their moderator to stand between them and God. Curiously, Yahweh has nothing to say to the young Elihu, and no mention will be made of the adversary who challenged God in the opening scene. In this chapter, Job submits himself to God. The Lord rebukes Job's friends. God blesses Job. Chapter 42 Then Job answered Yahweh, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be restrained. You asked, Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered that which I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me, which I didn't know. You said, Listen now, and I will speak, I will question you, and you will answer me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. It was so that after Yahweh had spoken these words to Job, Yahweh said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take to yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him that I not deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite went and did what Yahweh commanded them, and Yahweh accepted Job. Yahweh restored Job's prosperity when he prayed for his friends. Yahweh gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been of his acquaintance before came to him and ate bread with him in his house. They comforted him and consoled him concerning all the evil that Yahweh had brought on him. Everyone also gave him a piece of money and everyone a ring of gold. So Yahweh blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. 
He had also seven sons and three daughters. He called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karenhapuk. In all the land were no women found so beautiful as the daughters of Job. Their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons to four generations. So Job died, being old and full of days. If Job lived 140 years after the events of this book, then he probably lived to be at least 200 years old. From a narrative perspective, it's clear that Job, if he was a historical figure, must have lived during the age of the patriarchs. The book of Job is set in the land of Uz, which can be placed in or near Edom along the southern shore of the Dead Sea, because Lamentations 4.21 says, Rejoice and be glad, daughter of Edom, who dwells in the land of Uz. Now, Edom is located south of what would become Israel, yet the book of Job introduces its hero as the greatest of all the children of the east. This means that the author of Job must have been located west of Edom, which brings us to Egypt, with Moses as the original author, perhaps having dictated this narrative from a visiting Elihu sometime after this story took place. However, modern biblical scholarship mostly rejects this very early date, citing language features in the native Hebrew which suggest Job was written many centuries after the time of Moses. I think it's certainly possible that sections of this book might have been lost to the decay and corruption of the original papyrus manuscripts, which might have required careful reconstruction by later scribes, giving us the text we have today, which is a strange mixture of extremely ancient with more recent Hebrew and Aramaic literary styles. A skeptic might claim Job never really existed at all, his story being no more than fictional allegory. Authorship of the Book of Job remains a mystery to modern scholarship, but I prefer to give the Holy Spirit the benefit of the doubt here. I assume that if God intended for us to receive Job as Holy Scripture, then what we have is a reasonably faithful telling of one man's harrowing journey beginning with catastrophic loss, followed by a soul-searching examination of faith, and ultimately, triumphant revelation and redemption by the God of Israel. With the conclusion of the book of Job, Yahweh has set the stage for the next chapter in the salvation history of mankind. In the midst of his tragic suffering, Job rightly divined that the main problem with man's relationship to God is that man desperately needs a mediator to stand between the two parties, to bring man's petitions before the Almighty, 
and to help communicate messages from Yahweh back to his people. In the book of Genesis, this relationship was far more intimate and personal, but it didn't go very well. Remember that Jacob physically assaulted Yahweh in Genesis chapter 32 because he had become impatient waiting for God's promised blessing. This relationship badly needed a reset, and Yahweh intends to bring this about through a man named Moses, who will initiate a new age of prophets in spectacular fashion. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates. And join us for our next episode where we will be reading Exodus chapters 1 through 3, Moses at the burning bush. And so liberation begins. Freedom! This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless.